Welcome to The Shift, a new podcast with conversations on the future of energy and climate. On today's podcast, we have Paul Balcom from the Sustainable Gas Institute. Paul's research interests involve the environmental, economic and technical assessments of energy industry to answer a number of key questions. How can we decarbonise our energy use whilst maintaining living standards? What role should fossil fuels have in decarbonisation targets? And how can energy policy help us do this in the most effective way? Thank you for that introduction, Gabby. Now let's dive straight into the interview with Paul. All right, Paul, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Um, let's kick things off with a, a specific question on your work, uh, which looks at natural gas in a, in a low-carbon world. So the simple and obvious question is, does it have a significant sustainable role in the coming decades? Um, yeah, if you could speak about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's a very broad question and uh, difficult uh, so it's multi- multifaceted, but um, essentially, in my opinion, is yes, it has a role um, in decarbonising to a low-carbon world. Um, so there are two obvious roles that natural gas is going to have. Firstly, uh, replacing coal, so as it is a slightly lower-carbon uh, fossil fuel, uh, it's an easy way to reduce a national carbon footprint by replacing coal, uh, in the short term at least. Secondly, um, providing a variable complement to intermittent renewable energy. So providing that flexible backup to intermittent renewables when the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. So yeah, yeah that's the, I think they're the, they're the key roles that natural gas is going to have. Um, <clears throat> so how much of a contribution it's going to make is, um, depends on a variety of things, but those core contributions, I think, are there. Yeah. Um, but one thing seems obvious that natural gas isn't without its own set of problems, uh, mm-hmm. and we speak a lot about that, uh, fracking, for example, uh, specifically for shale. And uh, if, if you could just talk a little bit on the numbers, what is the contribution of natural gas to greenhouse gas emissions as compared to other conventional forms of energy? And, mm-hmm. uh, and when you speak of natural gas, uh, do you also consider other unconventional forms of uh, fuels like shale gas, shale oil, mm-hmm. etc.? Yeah, okay. So we produced a white paper really recently about all about the methane and carbon dioxide emissions from natural gas supply chain. Yeah. So the premise of it was that um, was that natural gas is considered to be lower carbon than coal yes. because when you burn it, it produces um, about half the amount of carbon dioxide as coal, which is great, but obviously that's not the whole picture, yeah. as you alluded to. Um, so you also get supply chain emissions, so everything involved in actually getting out of the ground, processing it and delivering it. And you also get uh, emissions, um, not just carbon dioxide, but methane emissions. So methane is um, has received a lot of attention recently. It's the main component of natural gas and is actually a really strong greenhouse gas, right? So um, in the short term, it's actually something like 120 times more yeah. potent than carbon dioxide, but it doesn't last in the atmosphere as long. So um, it's very potent but it doesn't last in the atmosphere it only lasts an average of about 12 years so um, you can compare that to carbon dioxide which just stays yeah. in the atmosphere so sort of thousands yeah. hundreds yeah. of thousands of years so this is the issue so we did a bit so we did a, a big study uh, to try and assess the evidence so what is the actual range of emissions we see and how much of an impact does that have and the result uh, without sort of um, going into numbers specific numbers sure 
we see a really big range of greenhouse gas emissions from the natural gas supply chain. So yeah. um, the vast majority of estimates are really, really low, and that's great. Um, so we don't see much of a additional um, uh, additional impact on top of just the combustion emissions. But some of the estimates are really high, which are a problem. So we see this really big range and a skewed distribution. You see some super emitting facilities which emit really high yeah. proportions of uh, methane. Um, so certainly in the short term, it has a really big greenhouse Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, so earlier this year, um, if I remember correctly, in January, the journal Nature published a paper uh, which stated that in order to have a 50-50 chance of limiting global temperature rise to 2 degrees Celsius, which, as we all know, our governments agreed upon in, uh, in Copenhagen in 2009, 80% uh, of current coal reserves, a third of our oil reserves and a half of our global gas reserves should be left in the ground. Um, those you know, when we hear it first, those are really stark numbers. Yeah. So considering the the, uh, the GHG emissions in the supply chain that you spoke of and other factors, can we still consider natural gas as a sustainable solution in the future? Or does the industry or does your paper, does your work consider mm. these limits of, of 2 degrees Celsius? Mm. That's a really good question. So um, depends what you mean by um, like a sustainable contribution. So certainly, natural gas can make a good contribution in replacing coal. Yeah. Certainly, natural gas can make a good contribution on the sort of short and medium term in terms of providing a complement to renewable energy. But at some point, we have to um, stabilise our emissions. Um, we have to have a net zero emission yes. energy sector. And so, obviously, fossil fuel burning without any carbon capture is not going to work. So it depends on technology. And uh, that's actually the subject of our next piece of work that we're doing at the moment, which is all about the role of carbon capture yeah. in actually um, in unlocking the amount of unburnable carbon that there is in the ground. So um, that's a, a really important issue because we do, with our current set of portfolio of energy technologies, we, we kind of need gas to, uh, to produce that to produce that function, the replacing coal, the um, complements for renewables function, um, and so we need we need carbon capture to actually allow us to allow yeah. us to do that. But is that your narrative though? Because by stating that natural gas is a complement to renewables, but at the same time the current trajectory of of, of where the money is going into, uh, if you look at what the governments are doing, especially in the UK, yeah, natural gas seems to be the main source, not complementary to renewable energy. How, how, did, how does one square uh, policy to what, what you're talking about right now? That's a really good question. Uh, it's hard to square that. Yeah. Um, so some of the, the decisions that have been made, it's hard to tell what's, uh, it's hard to tell what the energy um, system is going to look like in 20 years. Um, and it's hard to tell how that is going to marry up with our carbon budgets, with meeting our carbon budgets. So recently we have had... Um, comment from Amber Rudd saying we're going to um, eliminate our uh, sort of coal power production in 10 years, we're going to provide new gas power stations and at the same time we're reducing our, um, uh, reducing our incentives for renewables. And it's difficult to see how we're going to meet our carbon budgets with that. Yeah. Um, because at the same time, reduce funding for CCS um, demonstration as well. So this is, it's difficult to see how we're going to actually meet yeah. our carbon budgets. Yeah. Um, 
sounds a bit haywire the, the policy at the moment but again yeah. uh, a lot of people complain about policy the, i mean the thing i want to sort of slightly uh, digress but uh, focus on a, another research that came out from the uk about 3 years ago i think called uh, stranded assets mm-hmm. um, on on the fact that governments are are in line to agree on something uh, which which on policy which limits uh, temperature as to 2 degrees celsius and that would mean a lot of fossil fuel assets would be left stranded uh, mm-hmm. because you will not be able to burn those fossil fuels mm-hmm. uh, your organization works uh, closely as i understand uh, with industry is the industry actually aware of this or is it taking this seriously the fact that policy can be against uh, it in the long run especially in the gas sector yeah, absolutely because you can see that um, policy is um, turning its back on coal yes um, absolutely What's the next step after that? What 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 else do you phase out after after you turn your back on coal? Um, so there's a there's a real risk to companies there, and every, I mean everyone is well aware of it. Um, so I mean that's a really good motivation to see how we can actually reduce <laughs> the carbon footprint of of, uh, of gas production, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, to just put you on the spot, if I can, if mm-hmm. if if you were to sort of look at the UK energy policy, and and you were given a chance to sort of you know slice and dice the energy policy as it stands right now yeah. how would you change it considering you know everything that we spoke of so far what are the main highlights of your energy policy for the uk good question um yeah so I'm by no means a um, energy policy expert um i i mean I, th- i suppose just reiterating what we've just talked about um obviously we have to decarbonize yeah um we have to stabilize we have to as a developing country if we're talking about the uk which i assume we're talking about we we have to be the leaders in terms of decarbonizing our energy system yes um fair enough we need to do it as economically as possible um reducing eliminating coal production is vital in the short term um managing the tr- transition yes to no fossil fuel no carbon dioxide emissions no net emissions is vital and it's a very difficult challenge um without ccs we have to we have to, without ccs we have to ramp down yeah gas production so that that sort of suggests that the role of ccs is vital because it provides a very important function is it is it safe to assume that one of the reasons why there is a heavy focus on natural gas mm-hmm. uh is is this idea of it being a bridge fuel um before the inevitable sort of expansion proliferation of renewable energy mm. and b the fact that we have an existing infrastructure that can better be retrofitted for natural gas as opposed to sort of dismantling the massive amounts of infrastructure we've created based on fossil fuels yeah. and to sort of you know forget all of that uh is that one of the reasons am i am i safe to assume yeah. that's why we're investing so much in gas yeah absolutely so i think probably one of the reasons why um gas is, gas production is being pushed um is because it's um seen as an economically um viable alternative right so we've got the existing uh, transmission storage distribution infrastructure it's there it's one of the best in the world um we've got the knowledge we've got the services to do that um and also perhaps slightly more debatable is that we've got the we've nominally got the reserves in terms of uh, unconventional resources yeah so it's obviously there's a potential there that could be tapped yeah yeah 
Um, let's switch gears a little bit to focus on uh, the UK again. And um, I mean, I, I come from India and uh, when the Balcom protests took off, Mm. Um, even in India, uh, the news spread. Mm. I suppose the reason being I'm in the campaigning sector, so the word spreads quickly. But um, how, how would you respond to someone from Balkan protesting against fracking and, and gas? Um, you know, how, what, what would your response be? It depends what they ask me. Is, is, is the idea, the, the challenges with fracking, uh, the challenges with gas are being considered as a long-term uh, solution for energy in the UK? I don't, I don't necessarily think anyone thinks that it's a long, it's a long-term solution. Um, it's part of a, it's part of a transition to a low-carbon world, right? So, um, unconventional gas production might happen in the UK soon. It might do. It might not. Um, it, the sort of the horizon is by no means certain. Um, there are other impacts. So I'm, I'm really only uh, researching into um, sort of climate-related impacts. Um, and it's my, it's my opinion from, from the evidence that we've collected that um, conventional and unconventional uh, gas production is comparable in terms of its climate impact. Now, there are other impacts, other sure. environmental impacts, sure. other economic impacts, other social impacts sure. that have a big effect. I am probably not the expert to talk to you about that. Sure. Um, but I can only give you the information from the evidence that we collected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose it goes back to the issue of, of what, what economists consider market failures. The externalities of, of these fuels uh, never seem to be considered into the equations. Absolutely, yeah. That's why um, carbon prices so important. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I've at least reached the end of my questions here. Um, but any, any, any sort of parting words uh, yeah. on, on natural gas? Yeah, maybe just on, to sort of further what you've just been talking about um, in terms of the externalities. Um, I think that uh, carbon price is, um, is vital going forward in terms of actually managing our transition. Um, I think that not just carbon price, um, but um, the electricity market reform um, needs to be adapted. Um, so we need to value power differently. It's complicated, um, but one kilowatt hour of electricity coming from renewables is not the same as one kilowatt hour yes. of electricity coming from gas yes. because it provides a different function. So we need to value that somehow. So we need to value uh, renewables in terms of its um, its um, climate benefit. We need to value gas in terms of its um, the qualities that it provides. Yeah, yeah. One, one parting question, though, which um, last week uh, I uh, spoke to uh, a woman named Brenda who works with Friends of the Earth, uh, and, and she's a staunch, uh, um, she's, she has a staunch opposition to natural gas and fracking for certain reasons. Um, and we spoke briefly about the idea of consumption and, and, and questioning whether uh, natural gas or well, renewable energy for that matter, which, which they're promoting uh, or pushing for, can actually sustain the kind of energy needs that the world has at the moment. Uh, have, you, have you done any research on can we sustain the consumption levels right now in the UK or in the rest of the world with renewables? Or do we need, again, natural gas? Is that an argument for natural gas? Uh, if we only have renewables, if we only had intermittent renewables, yeah. then you would not be able to meet the demand profile that we have because it's not a flexible demand. Yeah. We have the technologies to be able to um, adapt, and not just using renewables though. 
So um, obviously a big challenge for the future is uh, energy storage. If we solved the energy storage uh, problem, then you would be able to rely on renewables much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, really important. True. So where can we read about your work uh, a little more and, and yeah, if you could just... <laughs> there's, a thr there's a thrilling read, um, a white paper that we've recently produced, uh, and you can get it on the Sustainable Gas Institute website, um, sustainablegasinstitute.org. Um, and there is also a, a smaller briefing paper that is a uh, slightly, uh, slightly shorter and more interesting read uh, <laughs> that you can find on the same website. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. Cool. Thanks a lot. So that was Paul from the Sustainable Gas Institute. You can find the transcript of the interview below, along with a few useful links on Paul and his work. The shift is recorded in Brighton at the University of Sussex. We bring researchers and thinkers from across the UK and hopefully the world to share their latest research on issues of energy and sustainability. Keep an eye out for more podcasts, subscribe and share it with the social links that you can find on the page. Finally, we would love to hear from you. And if you want to be as cool as me, you can co-host the show help edit the podcast, set up an interview, or improve the podcast in any manner, just by writing to us on the website. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.